It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. All right, it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And I got to tell you what, I am elated. I am elated because they have let me out of solitary confinement. Gosh, you guys, I have been holed up in the studio for literally four months. Four months of doing interviews by phone and by Zoom. And I have been belly aching about it because I've just wanted to get out and, you know, get to some of the vineyards again. So today is the day that we come. I'm out of the studio and I am sitting in the most idyllic place, but it's also very interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that it is owned by my oldest friend. Not It's not that he's old. I've just known him since first grade. And he and his wife built this spectacular place. It is called Peak Ranch. And it is in the Santa Rita Hills of California, the Central Coast, Santa Inez Valley. And he is John Wagner and John, <laughs> did you ever think that we'd be sitting down doing this? Not in a million years. It's the weirdest thing that you and I have circled back to this. And we had you on a couple of years ago, but you know, people forget and we've got new listeners. So I really want to just talk a little bit about our history because I think it's really it's just interesting how we grew up. And we grew up on a road called Santa Rosa Road. And now your ranch is on a road called Santa Rosa Road. <laughs> but not in the same spot. Yeah, I haven't gotten very far, that's true. <laughs> you haven't. We went to basically a, uh, I guess we could call it a three-room schoolhouse. That's being generous, right? Yes, and I actually made the observation that I'd done the calculation in the first grade, and if I was the second smartest guy in a two-person class, um, I wasn't going very far. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about where you started to go, and then you made a pretty major career shift, and now you're doing this, but you still have the main career. But you were really like a science guy, a physics guy, right, originally? Um, yeah, maybe demonstrating the fact that I'm not very smart at all. I actually chose to study physics. and spent... that, That's not uh, real high up there on the pay chart? Uh, pay chart, nor not really great for the wine, women, and song chart either. <laughs> it's like nobody says, oh my gosh, you got to meet John Wagner. He's a, he's a physicist. <laughs> uh, not at all. <laughs> didn't, but, didn't 
work out that way. Well, so you did that for for a while, right? How long? I spent nine years in university studying physics. And, Good Lord. Um, UCLA, Caltech, and Los Alamos, and then decided to uh, maybe try something else and got into the world of finance. Do, and, you, do you kick yourself now? No. It's, like a, it's a little bit like trying to play NBA basketball or something like that. It was super exciting. It was disappointing to find out that you weren't talented enough to be the very best in the world at something. Also, I think it's kind of a good thing to know how good somebody that's the best in the world is at anything. Yeah. And, you know, it was a wonderful journey. I met the woman that became my wife while I was doing it. And so um, I left and it certainly armed me to do well in other worlds. And so it's all worked out. I wouldn't change a thing. So off to the world of finance and Wall Street. And you've been doing that ever since now. Yeah, I left um, grad school and got a job at a firm that doesn't exist anymore, Drexel Burnham. And then yeah. after a couple of years, I got a chance to start a small hedge fund that's become into a not quite so small hedge fund. And um, So the hedge became a tree. Right. Okay. Right, a bush fund. A bush fund. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, but it's been good and it's certainly allowed me a lot of freedoms, among other things. It's been a good way to support my grape habit. Okay. So let's talk about the, the grape habit for a second because it is not unusual for somebody who's done well in finance or in um, any kind of a tech profession. You make a little extra money and then a little bell goes off and says, I think I should have a winery. Talk about that evolution of going from an aficionado to a crazy person. Well, um, I feel like I got tricked. Um, I got tricked? Okay. Yeah. I, um, 2000, I'd seen a whole bunch of people lose a ton of money in the tech world. And a friend of mine um, whose family was in the wine business said that California Grape Land was selling very cheaply. And indeed, he was true. And, and now what year again? This is 2000, 2001. Wow. The tech crash. Yes. And um, you know, I'd seen a lot of guys with paper fortunes that had turned to nothing. So I had this idea that I'd like to own some land. And this friend of mine whose family was in the wine business said, you ought to check out vineyards. And so I drove up to Santa Maria and the Mondavi family was selling a, a ranch that had recently been planted and was all modern and with all the bells and whistles yeah. for less than the land that was planted on was worth. And um, so I figured, why not give that a shot? So I made a bid and they sold the vineyard to me. Um, so how are you tricked? Well, what happened then was the movie Sideways came out. Right. And I'd bought 200 acres of Pinot Noir. And so all of a sudden, I thought I could make money in the wine business. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I'm an investing genius. I, of course, knew the movie was coming out and that it was going to change <laughs> Pinot forever. Well, let's take a little side trip here because that's the other really amazing, cool thing about your story is the land that we're sitting on now is really the centerpiece of the movie Sideways. This was the place where where so much of it took place. And not, by the way, just as part of the movie, but it, the real story of when Rex Pickett, the author of Sideways, was playing with the idea of this movie, this is where he came. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And I, uh, I, I don't know whether to hug or hit Rex Pickett. because have, have you met him? I have not. Yeah. I would love to. He's been on the show and uh, interesting character, but I think the most interesting thing about the conversation that I had with Rex is a question that he said nobody had ever asked him. But the question was, well, what if Miles... 
Wells, the main character in Sideways, had a passion for a different varietal. Maybe Viognier. Oh, God, know? no, not Viognier. Well, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, okay, let's say Syrah. You, you grow Syrah. Syrah is uh, wonderful. And Syrah grows amazingly in this area. So what if Rex had, had a thing for Syrah and written that into the script? You know, Syrah would be selling for a tremendous amount of money right now. Do you think? Um, good question. I actually, I mean, it is actually a great question in the sense of um, a couple of our neighbors makes stupidly expensive Syrahs and they're brilliant wines. And um, I think this area with the cool weather makes wines that people actually want to drink. You know, yeah. that said, and, and we've certainly seen in our tasting room, we make, I think, a very good Syrah. Most of the world views Syrah as Australian Shiraz, which is grown in hot climates, is tastes a bit like burned tires. <laughs> burnt. Well, I have never actually sat down with a plate of burnt tire. But, uh, but, <laughs> but fair enough. But, you know, a $6 a bottle Yellowtail. Yeah. Yeah. is a different wine than a $150 coat roti. And we're going to talk about that too, by the way, And but we're, we're going to have to take a little break here. We're talking to John Wagner. Uh, he and his wife, Jill, own this really iconic property. It's incredibly beautiful. You can't even imagine the scores that they are getting on these wines just after a couple of years. It just doesn't happen typically. But John, I guess you are one of those guys that turns to the best people when it comes to consulting and helping you with projects. Yeah, when you can't figure it out yourself, pay someone a lot of money to figure it out for you. Right, so that uh, takes us back to being around the smartest people on the planet. They contribute a lot. They may be harder to get or they may, may be more expensive, but they're, in the end, very much worth the money you pay them. Well, and I, I think one of the wonderful things about the wine industry in general is, for the most part, everybody in the wine industry cares way more about making really good wine than they do money. Absolutely. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters from Peak Ranch. It's our first time that we've peeked out of the studio. Uh, I'm so glad to be here. We'll tell you a lot more about this property, the wines, and what you should be drinking when we return. You know, even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine & More is always several steps ahead. Total Wine doesn't just sell the same old, same old. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible prices. And for a contactless experience, try their curbside pickup option. Simply order online for an easy new way to shop at TotalWine.com. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Mm-hmm. 
summer is here, invigorating our state of mind and sparking desires for things that complement our playful mood. Yep, our barbecues are already working overtime, cranking out slabs of baby backs that pair perfectly with light, crisp summer sippers. And if you need a little inspiration, check out the summer wine list that no one can resist. It's Total Wine & More's Top 12 Summer Wines, featuring a truly eclectic cross-section of wines, all under $20 and many under $10. Plus, Total Wine & More is offering summer wine bundles that save you up to $24 on a variety pack of wine. And now that we've all gotten into curbside buying, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or just outside for a contactless experience. The best lineup of super low-priced summer wines is just a click away at TotalWine.com. Grape Encounters Radio, and I am sitting with the person who on this planet I am most jealous of. <laughs> God, he just he just gets under my skin because he everything that he touches turns to gold, and you know he's gone through multiple professions, but has landed in the wine business as well. It's John Wagner, Peak Ranch. It's P E A K E. By the way, ranch. And let's John go back for a moment and add a little more to the conversation about the property because it's it's such an important uh, piece of property, and this area is so important because it was chronicled in the movie Sideways. And I know people to this day they they flock here, right, just because they're big fans of the movie. Yes, we, we get a fair amount of Sideways tour visitors, which is really nice. And then hopefully they like the wines. Yeah, but the other thing that's really important to note is that this area has become literally world-renowned for its wines, particularly Pinot. And you've been, what, making wine for three, four years? Is that right? I think we're going on six, but yes. Okay, but with this facility? This facility we opened two years ago. We started making wine here. We made it in a garage before that. Did you really? Well, Kind of, sort of. Central Coast Wine Service is a big warehouse. Yeah, not a garage exactly. But, uh, But the importance of this region is that it is creating world-class Pinots. You've been racking up some amazing scores. Talk about, you just got scores from Robert Parker. So talk about that. It's not just Pinot, by the way, your Chardonnay, which by the way, you just poured me and I'm going to sip while you're talking. Um, yeah, We're lucky. Oddly, Santa Rita Hills is, strangely enough, by degree day, the coolest. Because we're so close to the Pacific Ocean and it's so bloody cold at Point Conception, um, every day the wind comes in and we're sitting here in August, and I'm wishing I had a sweater on. Yeah. Um, that actually makes for a, a very compelling place to grow grapes. And as a result, we're able to draw out the ripening period. We get a long-growing season that goes slowly, so the ripe the grapes get ripe at the same time, retain the acidity, and get the phenolic ripeness that make truly great wines. And there's a lot of people in the area that are making good wines. We strive to make great ones and hope we have a little success. So the guy who is, I think, recognized most for having put this area on the map where Pinot is concerned is Richard Sanford. 
and this was part of his estate at one point, right? Uh, that's right. And Richard was a true visionary, and if we actually look across the valley, we can see his house behind that big tree. Um, you can see the power poles going in. Is he still there? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So we go over and knock on his door if you like. He'd love uh, to do one I, of these. I, w- I would love to. I've ha- I had him on a long time ago. It's probably like 11 years ago. Yeah. yeah Richard was brilliant, and they figured out this is a great place to grow grapes. Um, and he still is active with his project and a partner from Texas, and they're making very fine wines themselves. But, right. uh, and, and by the way, I want to put a, a notation here that if you want to try Richard's wines, the label is actually Almarosa. That's right. And there is a Sanford, and that is, uh, I'm not sure how the name ended up being attached to that particular owner. And I, I am not going to say anything good or bad about those wines because I haven't had them in a long time. But if you're looking for the original real deal, then look for Almarosa. And um, Richard is a guy that doesn't compromise. He's really a great winemaker. And so you talk much to him? Yeah, well, we see him with some regularity. And the fact that Sanford wines aren't owned by Richard Sanford speaks a little bit to the economics of the wine business. Yeah, right. It's, it's a really hard, it's a hard way to make money. And, um, you know, it's one thing to make great wines. It's another thing to make a great business. And Right. Well, I did a uh, show just uh, last week, I guess it was, or maybe the week before, we talked about celebrity winery owners. And one of the things that gets under a lot of people's skin in the wine business is the fact that there are people who've got gobs of money who will go out and attach their name to a wine. And a lot of the time, it, it isn't a very good wine. And, and I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, and I I, I guess I draw the conclusion that the wine business is a lot, a lot like a lot of human endeavor. That you know, if you mail it in on anything, I mean, David, you've got a radio show business, right? And you have to wake up every morning, work hard, try to get good right. content. And the wine business is like that too. That you know, if you just mail it in, it you're, you're always going to get a second or third degree product. If you want a first class product, you know, you have to live it and breathe it and push it. And yeah, well, you know, the thing that is always baffling to me and others is the fact that there's a lot of wine out there between $2 and $10. And it's just, you know, we've talked about it a lot on the show. I don't diss those wines because frankly, if you love those wines, but love is the operative word. If you love those wines and you're paying eight bucks for it, stop, stop. Don't even get near Peak Ranch. Don't even come here. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Because if you graduate up into that higher level of wines, the, the pricier stuff, which I think, generally speaking, the, the prices are, I think, a lot closer to quality than they used to be. Uh, you know, it's it very much is a, a quality-driven market in wine. But there are so many people on the planet that will taste, a, you know, drink $10 wine, and they're fine. They love it. And, you know, that's good. God bless you. It reminds me of a story I was out on a business dinner with Morgan Stanley um, in my previous life, and the guy, our sort of contact, was a big wine guy, and he ordered um, a Mouton Roth child okay <laughs> yeah right you get the picture right yeah a six seven hundred dollar bottle of wine today it was because i'm old and this was a while ago it was a little less then but and he pours it and i drink it and i go damn this sucks this is awful i like it a lot oh so <laughs> so you liked the wine a ton but it sucked because all, all of a sudden ten dollar wine wasn't going to do it anymore well see it's it's an interesting dilemma because you can buy lots and lots of bottles of cabernet sauvignon for instance that say napa on them 
them and you can get them for 10 bucks a bottle. And there's a, a big story behind why it's 10 bucks a bottle. It's not the best of the grapes that are grown there. But if you've been drinking, let's say, Cabernet your whole life that's priced in, in that area, and then you suddenly get to taste a $100 bottle of Cab, yeah. it's you realize that what you're tasting, that new Cab that you're tasting, doesn't taste anything like those cheaper wines. They're a completely different animal. That's true. And that's not to say that there isn't pleasure in a $10 bottle of wine. Well, you know, let's compare it to wardrobe for a second, okay? You and I are sitting here in jeans and a casual shirt. Yeah. Uh, if we were going to an important affair, we'd put on something expensive, hopefully, and, and classy. Or, John, maybe you're just wearing overalls these days now that you're a farmer. But, um, and, but I feel just as good in my jeans, if not better, than I feel in a $500 suit or a $1,000 suit. But Dave. Yeah. You're the rare guy that can look good in anything. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, so um, we've got to take a break here. It's always a break, you know? Just when it's just getting good, you got to take a time out. It's always good with you, Dave. But we can, we, can, <laughs> we, can, we can refill our glasses, though. We're out and about, finally, face-to-face. Our first face-to-face interview in four months. And I can't think of a better person to do that with than John Wagner, who owns Peak Ranch, along with his wife, Jill. It is absolutely an extraordinarily beautiful property. Uh, it is on the central coast of California. It's the Santa Ynez Valley, uh, Santa Rita Hills, to be exact. It's such a such a beautiful place. By the way, I used to bicycle through here all the time. It's a great place. If you want to just come and have some fun, you can do it right now. The wineries are open. Bring your bike and have a great time and stop at places like Peak Ranch. You will not be disappointed. We'll be back with more from Peak Ranch and John Wagner right after this. like to talk about wine. Did you know that there's a lot more going on in the world of Grape Encounters than what you hear each week on the radio show? If your answer is no, it means that you're not as plugged into our wild, wacky, and wonderful world of wine. But we can fix that right now. I really want to share a lot more with you than what we're able to do during the weekly show like wine recommendations, interesting ways you can play with your wine, information about upcoming wine happenings, and even recipes I've developed just for you. There are two things you can do to get plugged in. First, join the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook. Make sure it's the group page. Or you can sign up for our mailing list at GrapeEncounters.com. In coming weeks, I'll be doing giveaways, offering free online parties exclusively for you, and a lot more. Please, don't miss out. Connect with me on Facebook or at GrapeEncounters.com. Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of MM Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops, there we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from MM Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, 
you won't be when you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at mmorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two-horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at mmorganics.com. We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. If you had told me a year ago how different the wine industry would be in just even six months, I would have laughed at you. The changes that have occurred in the wine industry in just a matter of months are so extraordinary. Winemakers are having to completely rethink their business models. It's all different right now. Uh, We're adjusting to it. And I feel confident that down the road, very soon down the road, we're going to be in a much more comfortable place, and it might actually be a better place than what we left. Uh, If we go about this right, I am sitting with John Wagner. If you just tuned in, John and I have known each other since first grade. He would uh, bring a little bit of, it was called Strawberry Hill. His mother would send that in his thermos to school with him. So John was the only one that had wine in the first grade, and that's a lie. (laughs) I'm sitting here with John, actually, on his patio, overlooking just, you know, there's no car there's no sounds of the city. It's just beautiful birds flying and the grapes. I understand uh, that they started harvest in Napa today. So how far away are you, John? We're about two weeks from starting to pick for uh, rosé. Two weeks. Wow. And I'm guessing that this is going to be a real stellar crop this year. Everything has lined up. Everything looks great. Much of what determines the quality of our vintage actually happens in harvest. We're praying for no big heat spikes so that everything gets ripe at once. Right. We'd like a reasonably tame August and September so that we can pick when we want to and not when we have to. Well, you know, apart from some really hot days this past uh, week, uh, and no more than about a week, it's been really a mild summer so far. It's it's been beautiful, and like I said, I'm sitting here wishing I had a sweater on, and it's August, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, We were going to talk about scores. You know, sometimes we put too much stock in scores, but if the scores are coming from the right people, they are very important to the consumer because when you're standing in a wine shop or even supermarkets in certain parts of the country, California certainly, uh, supermarkets have a huge selection of wine. It is next to impossible to navigate and so you end up uh, choosing wines a lot of the time based on the label or based on the varietal or based on where the wine was made. But anyway, uh, John has been at this now for um, six years, a lot of winemakers have to be jealous of you because you came here, you planted your roots, and you're pulling great scores from some of the most important critics in the wine business. So the Robert Parker organization, probably the most recognized, uh, has just dumped a bunch of amazing scores on Let's talk about that. To be precise, only because I know my friend David is a precise guy. Not at all. Um, Judd Dunnick um, 
was the California reviewer for Parker until last year when they were bought out by the Michelin Guide. And he's gone off on his own and does the ratings on his own now. And um, uh, Jeb just gave us some unbelievable scores we got on our our rosé, which is a quick story, Dave, I'll bore you with. But no, please. My wife one day asked me, John, because why don't we make a rosé? And I go, well, because we sell Pinot Noir for $5,000 a ton to other winemakers in the area. And $5,000 a ton sort of translates into about a $50 bottle of wine, and you can't charge that much for rosé. And so it wouldn't make any economic sense. Which is tragic, by the way, because yeah. rosés can be so off the charts. My wife, of course, looked at me and said, John, that wasn't a question. That was a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, now are suggestions orders? Yes. They are. <laughs> yeah. We now make rosé. Yeah. Tell me about your wife. Does does Jill get involved when you're tasting things and you're in the barrel room? How much input does she have? Um, she actually has absolute authority. I've been married 32 years and oh I've gosh. discovered that happy life, happy wife. <laughs> All right, so the scores, what are the numbers? We're blessed. Um, they were very generous, but we got 95 points on our two vineyard-designated Pinot Noirs. We got 95 points for those. We got 94-plus wow. on our Appalachian Pinot Noir, and we got a 96 for one Chardonnay, and we got a 98 for another Chardonnay. Yeah, and by the way, I'm drinking uh, one of your Chardonnays right now. Is this one that's been judged? Yes, yeah, so that was a 96 This is the 96. Plus. Yeah, this is absolutely beautiful. And actually, David, it was something that you'll find is really interesting about the wine world is we've consistently gotten 97s and 98s from our Sierra Madre vineyard in Santa Maria. And I just find this so confusing. We sell to a couple of high-end people that do a great job with the grapes, and they get 97s and 98s. And one guy even got a 99 last year for the Chardonnay from this vineyard. For the most part, we sell it for $10 a bottle of wine. So, so explain that. You sell it for a $10 bottle of wine. What does that mean? That means I have 80 acres of Chardonnay and the people that come in to buy it, for the most part, are guys are sending it to make a, they want it machine picked. They don't really care much about this or that. And then we have five or six acres that we spend just a little extra time with and it goes into incredible bottles of Chardonnay. So, but, but why would you do that? Why don't you just keep it all for yourself? And, you know, there's, certain, I, there's I, certainly a market for great Chardonnay because there's a but, lot of cruddy Chardonnay out there. But I can't sell 10,000 cases of really good Chardonnay. Well, you will. I mean, with the reputation that the winery is gaining, I mean, there's no way you know, that... The reputation that we've gotten by our association with David Wilson. Well, no. I, the reputation that you have already is just going to continue to uh, skyrocket. And there'll be a time where you're not even going to be able to meet demand. You know that. That's true, but... It happens to people who care about the quality of their wine. It happens. But I, I, I still think it's crazy that we have trouble selling Chardonnay for 1200 dollars a ton away from the people that are making these 97 and 98 point wines. I mean, seriously, the, we entered, um, one of the winemakers that buys grapes from us put the Chardonnay in a contest um, with all the Psalms from all all of the three-star restaurants in Tokyo. And But the Psalms came in and they actually ranked the Chardonnay from our backwater vineyard made by this guy. At, they thought it was a 
Romani Conti Le Montreche and um, holy a, smoke, yeah, a $5,000 bottle of wine. Um, the wines are great, and it's crazy how the wine world works. But you know, you can buy our Chardonnay for $45, and you know, it's like I said, it's a 98 point wine. Okay, you you run a hedge fund, yep, and anybody that is in the market, even casually, knows that sometimes there's just no rhyme or reason to why things are priced the way they're priced. Yeah, priced the way they're priced and and a, a, a stock will skyrocket and we're just sitting there scratching our heads. What are the parallels between the wine industry and the finance world that you're in? Oh, he's laughing. Tough, tough question. <laughs> um, you know, I think like a lot of things, you, the people that do well in the hedge fund business as far as making money for their clients care a ton about making money for their clients and care a ton about making great wines. The people that are super successful are really good about marketing it. Yeah. And I think it's absolutely stunning how little marketing investment products and marketing wine, how little it has to do with the quality of the product that's getting sold. And I can tell you hands down that the most successful guys in the wine business are great at marketing. The most successful guys in the investment business are good at marketing. And the guys that make the best products care about making a great product and don't care about marketing. Is it safe to say that you tend to focus mostly on stocks that uh, have a measure of safety, you know that they're worth what they're worth, or how often do you dabble in uh, stocks that are just a phenomenon and we don't really understand why? Uh, David, I went to school in physics. I don't actually know what I own. It's all a computer program. (laughs) Okay, all right. Hey, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters uh, as we just kind of enjoy this beautiful summer day sitting up on the hillside at the home of John Wagner and uh, his beautiful, gorgeous Peak Ranch Winery is right down below us and we're going to spend some time down there. But I'm not going to be able to take you all with me because I need you to socially distance yourself from me. So that's what the microphone is for and your speakers. But uh, no, actually, you can come out here and you can taste wines. Uh, The winery is open and um, things are open in general here. You just have to you just have to put your mask on and behave yourself and stand outside and stand outside, which, by the way, is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. Every week, we encourage you to look beyond the ordinary and seek the extraordinary. That's why you definitely want to check out Winery Direct at Total Wine and More. These products are identified by the yellow shelf tag in the store or online. The selection includes more than 2,000 of their 8,000 wines, and you could be confident that you're getting the highest quality wines produced by some of the world's most renowned winemakers at the best price. Winery Direct is one of the many things that makes Total Wine & More so unique. Order today at TotalWine.com. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters Radio right after this. We've got to take a breather for a minute or two. Don't go away. Remember, if we don't let the wine breathe, it's impossible for the show to be done in good taste. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out, simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, 
a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. So email me using the contact form at GrapeEncounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. Just drop me a note at GrapeEncounters.com. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine & More is impossible to keep up with. That's because they have a team of experts constantly searching every corner of the world for amazing wines priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion, like tomorrow. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. And of course, your faves will be there too. New discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 choices to explore online with your handy device while you soak up some shade. Visit Total Wine and More in person, or if you prefer a contactless experience, order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or curbside. And for awesome summer wines, all under $20 and many under $10, be sure to check out their summer wines list at TotalWine.com. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I have been following what's going on in the wine industry through this COVID crisis. Everything is just very different in America than it was at the beginning of the year. So much has happened, and I'm sitting at a place that makes incredible wines. I'm like a a proud papa, practically, because the person behind Peak Ranch is John Wagner. He's my oldest friend. He's uh, 103. Um, No, I I've known him since first grade, and he's always been a class act. He's always focused on quality. But, John, let's talk about what people are buying right now. Yeah, we're fortunate. As Dave mentioned earlier in the process, this place is both historic and really pretty. I ended up owning this property because I was seduced by how lovely it is. Yeah. And, you know, there's basically not a lot of places that people can get out of town, so we were actually having a reasonable amount of visitors. That said, in the wine business in general, the sort of more expensive premium wines have suffered in this time. So if you're an internet shopper, you probably see a lot of good deals. Do you stay the course with the more pricey wines, keep the price where it would be during good times? Or do you sell the wines for a little less right now? We've been lucky in that, first of all, we came into the market. We didn't really do this to make money anyway. So we priced our stuff sort of below where you otherwise might think it would be priced. We've had some unbelievably loyal customers around the country with high-end wine shops and that sort of thing. So we were fortunate we were able to sell out, but we grow maybe 
five times more grapes than we need for our project. And we sell it, and we certainly see our customers suffering a lot and cutting back on their grape orders because you know they were in that same category and they haven't been able to move their inventory. So some guys are skipping vintages. Some guys are doing half as much as they'd otherwise do. You just mentioned something that is just heartbreaking. There are people that grow grapes that make wine that won't even pick them this year because it's just not, they're just not able, the cash isn't there. And I also want to add the fact that I have been recently seeing a number of emails from winemakers saying this is the last year we'll be selling wine. No, it's it's heartbreaking and it seems almost surrealistically distanced from what's going on in the rest of the planet that the stock market goes up and so many guys are going out of business. Um, I suspect this is true in other businesses too, but in the great business, lots of really quality longtime producers, as David said, that are smaller and you know have lived a little bit on the margin but created great product, all of a sudden this retrenchment in the market has completely wiped them out. And it's tragic because I think the wine world's way poorer for it. Yeah, and, the, and there's really no place to go because if you're sitting in that kind of condition, banks love to lend money to people who have money. So what do you say to the person who has, they've either lost hours, um, they can't go back to work, they're working from home, whatever, so their life is, is has contracted a great deal, they're not able to spend money like they used to. Drink more. Well, <laughs> I mean, we're all just so downtrodden right now that I think that having um, an indulgence once in a while and something that you really like is probably a good idea. At what point do you figure out what the price on a bottle of wine should be? Is that a decision that's made while the wine is still in the barrel? Is it made before you even pick the grapes? Is it made once it's in the bottle? How do you make that decision? Is It's got to be largely based on impulse, right? It's a great question. Um, and it's something we spent an awful lot of time thinking about. I think in our case, we wanted to make wines that really could show up in the best restaurants in the world, be poured, and people would say these wines fit. We wanted people like David that have drank all the wines in the world sit down and say these are fantastic, top of the rung wines. Yeah, best of the best. Yeah, exactly. Right. When you did this, you didn't cut corners. At the same time, we also didn't want to be exclusive. We wanted them to be approachable. And so when we make the wines, we don't spare any expense. We buy the best barrels. We farm to the very highest standards of anybody anywhere. The people that work at this stuff know as much about it as anybody does anywhere. We do the absolute best. On the other hand, I don't want it to be something that somebody can't drive up their driveway and afford to buy a bottle and have a great afternoon tasting. And so we just kvetched a long time and picked price points where we could do both. Okay, you you did a great job of not answering my question, though, at least part of it. At what point do we choose a price? That's a long-term strategic decision. If you price wines too cheaply, people think it's a cheap wine. And if you price them too richly, they think you're an arrogant jerk. And we wanted to find a place where you could justify what we do to make great wines and at the same time make them accessible. So you become a tightrope yeah. artist as well. Right. Then. I've got a neighbor here that, you know, on release charges $250 for his Syrahs and it's a 10-year waiting list to get on his mailing list. I admire the business. I think he makes good wines, but we weren't in the business of trying to become that guy. Not that we had the choice, but I wanted it so that anybody that happens to be in Santa Barbara, so much of this project was a love of the area and wanting people to appreciate how intrinsically beautiful the Central Coast of California was. And you, know, you can't charge 
$300 a bottle for wine and have people come and have a great time and say, this is beautiful doing that. That is such a good point that, you know, it's you come out to a tasting room and you're drinking really super expensive stuff. You're going to be a, a whole lot more serious and have a whole lot less fun probably. John, got to go. People that want to buy the wines, um, peakranch.com. Peakranch.com. Peakranch. So it's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. We've got uh, Pinots. We've got Syrahs. Haven't even talked about those. Grenache. Grenache, which is, a, a by the way, uh, all of these grapes grow so well in this region. And Chardonnay, remember this, where there's good Pinot, there's good Chardonnay. It's a law of nature. Am I right? I, the French made it, actually codified it. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. Yeah, check out Peak Ranch, would you? And uh, you can really, really count on these being terrific wines. Come out here and have a good time. You know, be responsible in your social distancing and keeping everybody safe. But And uh, drive safe when you leave. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you what, the wineries, they're all just bending over backwards right now to give you the best possible experience. They they are leaving nothing to chance and making sure it's the best experience you could possibly have on their property. So it's a great time to get out right now. And there just aren't the crowds that there normally are. So do it. Anything uh, else you want to add, John? Thank you, my buddy. I know. Now we're going to grab something to eat and uh, drink a little bit more wine. And I will be back here next week, same time. And uh, we'll have uh, hopefully take you to another really fun and interesting place. Get out of that darn studio and let's start living life again. Be safe and uh, I will talk to you in seven days. I want to remind you that Grape Encounters Radio has been brought to you by Total Wine and More. You know, when you sell over 8,000 wines under one roof, you're going to meet consumers from every walk of life with different tastes and needs. Luckily, Total Wine has everybody covered with their nearly endless selection of wines to choose from, plus a variety of ways to shop. They even have in-store pickup and contactless curbside pickup, so you're in and out in a flash. From your favorite picks to rare finds, there's always something new to discover at Total Wine & More. Order today at TotalWine.com.